Now that you're already all now that you're all sick of my voice already, welcome back to the Five Tool Podcast. Killer Kyle, you good? So proud of my son. He's whispering right now. What a guy! He's actually listening to me. Dad goals right there. Proud dad moment. We'll see how long this lasts. I love it. Seamus, you good? I'm doing well. Doing well. Black Josh, you good? Always. He's always good. That's right. We're back with the Five Tool Podcast. Kicking it with you on a Wednesday night. Talking a little bit of baseball, spring trainings in the mix. I just let everyone know Ryan Horvat from the Chuck and Winkler Morning Show on 105.7 FM. The fan was supposed to join us today, but he will not be joining us. He will be back on Saturday with us to do a big show. Um, so he had some sort of family emergency, so our thoughts and prayers are with him at this time. Um, and we'll, we're very excited to bring him on the show coming this Saturday. Um, Horvey. Horvey. We love you, Horvey. We're thinking about you here. We love you. And our thoughts and prayers are also going out to the victims and the families of the victims of the Miller Coors shooting today. Some devastating news coming out of Milwaukee this, this afternoon. Um, really upsetting, really, really rough situation going on there. A lot of news still coming out on that. So like I said, thoughts and prayers going out to those people in Milwaukee today. Um, In more positive news, uh, we're going to start with this. The Brewers have extended Freddy Peralta, the right-handed pitcher, 23 years old. He got a five-year extension today worth $15.75 million of guaranteed money with club options going up to $30 million. Um... A lot of people weren't sure about Freddie Peralta last year because he had you know a few good months of baseball, a few bad months of baseball. He got moved to the bullpen. He's he's had some flashes of greatness, like really good games, like uh, his first game as a pitcher in 2018 in the big leagues. At 21 years old, he had um, a 13 strikeout game against the Rockies, and then he and he pitched real well to start. Had some rough times, um, and I'll just point this out last. In September of 2019, when the Brewers were making their big push where they won 18 to 20 games, nobody pretty much in all of baseball pitched better than Freddie Peralta for the month of September. He had nine nine and two-thirds innings in relief, only two one runs, and 20 strikeouts in those nine and two-thirds innings, and only two walks for a 186 ERA. And that's coming off in August, where he was absolutely basically terrible and was just lit up through the entire month of August. And something flipped in him when it was a crucial time. So it, it's, it's, not, it's hard to tell what kind of pitcher we're going to get from Freddie Peralta going forward. Like I said, he's only 23 years old. There's a lot of upside there. And I want to know what you guys think of the extension. We'll start with you, Black Josh. What do you think of Freddie Peralta's five-year extension that the Brewers signed him for today? Based on what I've seen so far from him, I'm not exactly happy with it. I feel like he's had plenty of chances to show that he can be consistent in his in good starts or quality starts, whatever you want to say, and I, and right as of yet we have not seen that. So I mean, hopefully you know it works out good now that we got him for the next five fucking years. But 
Except from what I've seen so far, I'm not happy with it. Right, right. Uh, Seamus, I'm going to take it over to you. The Freddie Peralta extension, are you happy with it? Are you upset with it? What do you, what do you think of the terms and Freddie Peralta in general? As of right now, I'm going to... I'm going to be a little bit more indifferent and skeptical. Um, based on what I've heard, I heard that he, he put in a lot of work training and strengthening during the offseason to improve on that September. Um, if if he has a bounce back and, and we see that he can perform in such a way that last September becomes the norm, this is a steal of a signing. Um, it could also end up. Um, it could end up being being an uh, an albatross. So albatross. I mean, albatross. It's a big bird. <laughs> so it re- it remains to be seen how it's all going to play out. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I want to say I'm hopeful. Yeah, I mean, like we said, we've, we've seen some real real good good output from him in the past, um, but there's a lot more to be seen. Killa Kyle, your thoughts on the uh, Freddie Peralta deal? You know, you know what I think? I think that somebody... Oh, my goodness. Somebody needs to pay for his haircut. <laughs> Thanks. Breaking news over here. Somebody's got to pay for that haircut. I was uh, looking at pictures of his fancy haircut, and he's got the whole blonde, curly mohawk thing going on. It, it looks like a really expensive haircut, and I think that's what he used when he went to the front office and said, I need some money um, because my hairdresser charges a lot for this haircut, and i got to look good. Mountain, so. Yeah, I got a speculation that him and Orlando Arcia, they go to the same hairdresser and they get their hair done together and possibly their nails done as well. <laughs> I get confused and Perez went to the same hairdresser and I think Yadier Molina did too. I think so too. I think they all just go together and they get their hair and nails done together. It's kind of cute actually. Freddie Peralta and Orlando Arcia look like twins. They're both really handsome. I think... Uh, I think they are. Damn I, it, they are. They, they are. They're, they're good-looking guys. Um, so I just want to give a couple of extra stats on Freddie Peralta here. So last year in 2019, he threw that four-seam fastball 78.4% of the time, basically at a rate more than any other pitcher throws a four-seamer. And he can throw anywhere from 91 to 98 miles per hour on that pitch. And that's kind of been the the, the delaying thing for, for Freddie Peralta in the past is that he's only mainly used that four-seam fastball. Like it's, He's using it more often than any other pitcher in baseball. And he only used his changeup 1.8% of the time, and he would use a curveball like the other you know 20 or so percent of the time um, in, in games. So he's, he's kind of been a very one-dimensional pitcher, much like Josh Hader. So in the offseason, as, we, as we've discussed before, he's been developing a slider. And he it, it worked for him really well in the Dominican Winter Leagues. Um, and he and he used it in his first appearance in spring. And he says it felt good. He got a he got a called strikeout on that pitch. Um, and my thoughts about the contract. So it's five years and approximately $16 million with a lot of really good incentives. So this is a really smart deal by the Brewers, actually, because that's, a, that's around $3 million a year they're paying Freddie Peralta. And the upside is so high. And you're not losing a lot of money if if he doesn't perform well. It's it's really I mean you can eat that contract money 
with with no problem. It's it's basically nothing. Are you sure about that though? Because we were operating at a loss. Oh yeah, that's right. We're so we're so broke right now. <laughs> and like yeah, like I said, he's only he's Sorry. only he's only twenty three years old. A lot of upside there. And if the slider thing works out, then he's more multidimensional, and we might be able to see him you know, elevate his game to another level. And he's fighting for that fifth rotation spot between him and Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer did pitch today. I think he gave up a home run in the third. So, I mean, we're seeing how this race for the rotation, you know, shapes up here in the, in the spring, in spring training. That's one big storyline to keep an eye out for. But I, I, like I said, a lot of upside with Freddie and I, I like the kid. We've seen him have multiple, you know, 10 plus strikeout performances in his very short career. I think there's been three of them. So we've seen some really good stuff from him, and we've also seen him get lit up on many occasions. But I guess there's there's a lot there's a lot going for him there, and I'd like to see him succeed and not become a Willie Peralta because that would suck. <laughs> so moving on, I saw today that there is a report, and I know this might fire Seamus up. There's a report today that the MLB is planning to crack down on pitchers using foreign substances. And it, they haven't really detailed what the what the disciplinary actions. There was a I know there was a Red Sox pitcher in the past who got I think ten games. Seamus, you might be able to shed some light on who that was. This was like back in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, I believe. There was a Red Sox pitcher who was suspended ten games for using foreign substances. But it's always been a thing in baseball. I mean, you can see it on the guy's forearms. There'll be some shiny substance. It's usually you know sunscreen or you see some pine tar behind their ear that they. They're always putting their fingers in the back of their head during a game, you know, trying to get that pine tar on their hands to give them a little extra grip. And so I just want to get everyone's thoughts. What do you, how do you feel about Manfred trying to crack down on foreign substances? I'm going to start with you, Seamus, because I think you'll, you'll have some good opinions on this one. How do you feel about the MLB tr- planning to crack down on pitchers using foreign substances? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does, should we care? Like, what, what's the deal with that? Um, well, I, I'm not... I'm racking my brain, and I'm not. I'm not remembering the the player you're referring to. I, I the one that I remember most recently is I believe Michael Pineda with the New York Yankees went on the mound every five days with a fucking fir tree on a on a pitching mound. Oh sure. With a what? Yeah, with a fir tree behind him on the pitching mound. What is a third tree? Hey, you need to get wax uh, Q-tips and get the wax clean out of your ears, Kyle. I what said did you a say? fur tree. Fur. F-I-R. Fur. <laughs> it was a joke. But no, go, so, because Michael Pineda had that big old glob of shit on his throwing hand. Oh, yeah. Sure. A few Both years ago. Yankees, right? Well, I, I don't know if it really matters, because I remember back in the day, Gaylord Perry... Pitched for the Cleveland Indians, and he had everybody, you know, is he using it, is he not using it, and if nobody knew whether he was or not, because he had that, he had this really weird pre-pitch regiment that he went through, he wiped his eyebrows, he wiggled at the brim of his hat, he put his hand on the back of his neck, wiped it on the side of his pants, all of these, all of these places that you know, guys are rumored to use foreign substances. But then he'd have umpires come out and they'd check them out and they couldn't find anything. I, 
you're going to have guys try and cheat the system with with banned substances or not yet registered substances. And you're going to have pitchers try and do the same thing. I, I don't know. I'd like the game to be pure. I'd like it to be clean, but... If you go back throughout the history of baseball, it's never been 100% pure. So I, as far as Manfred is concerned, I think he's trying to cover his ass from the sign-stealing snafu and and focus the attention on, well, I'm, I'm really going to focus on something that I want everybody to think matters. Yeah. That's, that's kind, my opinion on this. That's kind of where I'm coming from on this. It's, I, I've grown in my whole life I've grown so accustomed to watching pitchers with some sort of shiny substance on them or using a little pine tar we've seen even catchers we've seen the the incident where Yadier Molina had a ball get stuck to his chest protector like and I don't fucking care honestly I don't care if they use a little extra glob of hair gel whatever it may be to give them a little extra grip to get a little more spin rate get a little more movement on the ball I mean it's like it's one thing He's, he's trying to clean up the game because as if the game is some sort of problem. But then last year we saw juiced balls, and that's obviously something he had to have known something about. So it's like he's cheating the system while the players are cheating the system, and now he's trying to punish players for doing something that, that's been part of baseball long before Rob, Rob Manfred was a part of it. I just think, yeah, I think he's trying to cover up his ass for, for, for the sign-stealing stuff, and it's just he's trying to make too many damn changes to the game, which is... Yeah, it'd be nice if it was pure, but pitchers need an edge when guys are hitting fucking, you know, record numbers of long balls last year. I want to take it over to you, Killer Kyle. What do you think of the potential ban on foreign substances for pitchers? Well, it shouldn't be allowed. I mean, <laughs> when when is when has it been acceptable for players to use whatever advantage it is to to you know win i mean because that's essentially why they do it right to throw better to hit better all this when when has this ever been a thing um this kind of seems like a retread issue to me i think we've heard about this as long as we've been fans um i don't know i just i feel like Major League Baseball is doing, and this has kind of been said, they're doing anything and everything to get the focus off of the sign stealing. And it's a boring story to me, to be honest. Like, you know, whatever. Just get rid of the shit and let's keep going. You know, keep hitting, keep hitting Astros players because that's exciting to me. I like seeing in the news that Jose Altuve got hit by four pitches in a game, or whatever. Foreign substances, whatever. I mean, this has been a thing forever. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's 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 it's, it's been a part of the game forever. There's no way to really stop it entirely. A guy could have a glob of something in his pocket and put it on his hand. They're not going to make him take off his pants for the game, or they're not going to throw him out. I think it's kind of a... I just think it's a non-starter. I think the fact that Rob Manfred's trying to change the game as if the game's the problem and not the fact that his his monitoring of the game is, is the real problem, or at least that's the way it seems on the surface. Black Josh, I want to get your thoughts on the, the potential banning of foreign substances, which are already banned, but they've been acceptable for as long as we know, you know? 
I don't really care either way. I don't think it's giving them that much of an edge. You know, in their, you know, helping them pitch. I don't think it's helping them pitch that much. Like, it helps, but it probably doesn't help enough where, you know, and plus, like you said, they're juicing balls and shit now, so what the fuck does it matter? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't tell me he didn't know about juice balls. There's no way. You yeah. can't tell me that. He probably sanctioned, you know, he more than likely sanctioned the juice balls. So, for him to say that I don't want pine tar or anything else on the fucking, uh, for the pitchers, but then you're going to fucking sit there and juice balls... Is fucking stupid. Yeah, it's like he's trying to make it harder for pitchers and make it easier for long balls because he thinks a, a spike in offense is going to help the game. I mean, it might in the long run, but at the same time, you know, you gotta, you can't, you can't do that. That's not going to help him. It's not going to help. Yeah. Isn't there a major league record set last year for home runs in, the last, in, in Major League Baseball? In the last two seasons, there's, there's been the record set. That was the last two. Yeah, so last year broke the year before, which was the record-breaking year as well. So Pete Alonzo and Aaron Judge, two rookies the last two years that have just been knocking the daylights out of baseballs. Yeah. And just baseball, baseball as a whole. I mean, the the strikeout records are more than ever, and the the home runs are more than ever. The the one thing that's lacking now is balls in play, and that's and that's classic baseball to us. And that's that's the shift that the game has taken. And and I think they juice the balls in an effort to to prevent all the strikeouts because they thought the game was taking too long, and that strikeouts are bad for baseball. And that's and that could be the case. I mean, for for the average fan, um, and that th- another another change that might be coming to baseball is it almost seems inevitable that the National League will be getting the DH. In a report by Jim Bowden, yeah. In the in a report by Jim Bowden of the Athletic, he said there is growing belief amongst National League GMs that the DH will be instituted for the National League as early as 2021. In tw- in 2018. Um, I don't have the 19 figures, but in 2018, in 1,900 plate appearances by pitchers, they batted 115 with a 146 on-base percentage. (laughs) Absolute garbage. Pitchers don't get on base unless your name is Bartolo Colon or it's Madison Bumgarner, the rodeo clown. And so what do you guys think? It's something that I've been fighting for a long time. I don't like the idea of the National League getting the DH. I love the idea of the strategic differences that it takes to have a pitcher in your lineup and the different changes that you have to make based on your batting order and based on pinch hitting and all that. I like the idea of there being a separation between the leagues, but it seems almost inevitable that it's going to happen, so I'm starting to sway myself on it, just because I'm still trying to love baseball as is, no matter how many changes they make. Black Josh, your thoughts on National League DH? I love it. I can't wait. I think they should have been doing this a long time ago. I'm all, I am 100% all for it. I hate I hate pitchers having a bat. We just think we'd still we'd have never lost what's his name if he wouldn't have had to hit. Who's that? Oh, Jimmy Nelson? Yeah, Jimmy Nelson. Oh, I'm glad we don't have Jimmy Nelson. Well, yeah, now <laughs> he sucks when he came back, but he was doing decent when he before he got hurt. Yeah, he was borderline our ace before he got hurt. That's definitely for sure. So, you know, who knows what could have happened if he wouldn't have been an idiot on the bases, but he never would have been on the bases had we had the DH. Brandon Woodruff would have never hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS if we had the DH. Oh, no. 
Brandon Woodruff hit a home run off of Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. That was great. I'm not saying it wasn't great. That's one of the top ten moments in Brewers history to me. But, well. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely up there. It's one of the best it's Brewers moments ever, I think. Only because it's Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. But, still, I would rather see pitchers not have to hit. Okay, okay. Killer Kyle, your thoughts on the DH in the National League? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm a little slightly torn, but in the end, like, I like it the way it is. Um, Thank you. I like, Thank you. I, I, yeah, you're, you're welcome. You, you know what, you're welcome. I appreciate it. I, I like watching pitchers at bat, and just when you think it's an easy out, the pitcher will knock a home run or they'll knock a base hit and then the fans get electric at the stadium if there's something about I mean this has been a thing for how long in the National League right like decades forever it's been, it's been a thing and in, 19, forever. in 1971 the American League got the DH but National League has been the same all throughout it's more challenging um it, it's lessened of an advantage. It makes the game harder. And these are professionals. Um, you know, back in the day, back in the golden ages, these pitchers could hit. And you, we do, we have in our lifetime seen a few pitchers. I remember Mike Hampton actually hit the ball pretty well. And I love that you brought up Brandon Woodruff because that was – such a proud moment in Brewers baseball. Um, I, I like watching pitchers hit the ball. I mean, most of the time they don't, but it's fun, and, and it's it's what the National League is. Yeah, it's the last separation that we have from the National League and American League, which were separate leagues for the longest time, and that was that was part of what baseball was. But we we're just seeing so many damn changes to the game lately that it's 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 a little uncomfortable. Seamus, I want to get your thoughts. National League, DH, what do you got? Well, the thing is, I won't ever get what I want. I suppose I can be okay with the National League going to the DH. Well, what is it that you want, Seamus? Yeah, tell everyone what I want you, you want. To, I want you to put the bat back in the pitcher's hands on both leagues. Both leagues. I like. See, I like that. But whichever way you slice it, if you're going to go with the DH, it should be MLB-wide. If you're going to have the pitchers hit, it should be MLB-wide. What if I slice it diagonally? I don't think I'm... Shut up, Kyle. I don't think I'm ever going to see pitchers in the American League go up the bat again. So, if you're going to do the DH, then make it league-wide. I agree. Yeah, it's. It yeah. should be the same across the league. See, I, no, I like I like it that there's a difference. I think that's fun, and that's been the way since, like I said, 1971. And before that, I mean, there was other differences between the leagues, and and they they, they used to operate as separate leagues that would come together for the World Series once a year. I mean, that's way before my time, but I just like the individuality of baseball, how it's different than the other leagues, and I don't want it to become too much like the other major sports, but. 
it's we're at a weird time. We're at a weird crossroads in sports where I mean it's it's the third. You know, it's not the biggest anymore. It's NFL, it's NBA, and then MLB is in third. And at some point, they they got to do something in order to stay relevant. I don't know if this is the thing that needs to be done, but it seems like it's an inevitability that come you know uh, 2021 we may be we may be seeing a universal designated hitter in both leagues. So who would you put as the DH for the Brewers right now? If Braun. Ryan Braun, yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. Put Smoke at first, Braun at DH, or vice versa. What do you guys think, Seamus? Who would the Brewers DH be? He's gonna take Brock Holt. What? Oh, Ron. Okay. <laughs> good call, good call. I'm surprised. I thought I I agree with you. I thought he would have said Brock Holt too. Killer Kyle, who would be the DH? What about I I find it funny that um Giorco is wearing number five. Jerko. What is with the Yeah, I know, but it looks like Giorco. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. So our last number five was G Hoff Jenkins and then we now we have Jed Giorco. And we had, I don't know who it is, DH. I, I, that's tough. I, Braun is, yeah, because our outfield's crowded, so. But Braun's good in the outfield, is he not? He had some really, I, I remember his very, like quite a few instances last year in left field where there was playable balls that he didn't dive on. There was playable balls that he he made the wrong first step on. He makes it on. look sexy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, He's he's. I think his defense has definitely taken a step down in recent years. Agreed. Now, why do you think that is? Because <laughs> he's not eating enough. Because he's old. And why is he not eating enough? I think we all know. <laughs> Uppers. Just say it. Uppers. Thank you. I didn't want to be the one to just come on and say it. Yeah, Ryan Braun's on dope. Not That's why he needs a DH. He needs a break. It's a different kind of building. You can't run around the outfield on dope. He does. Yep. All right. We're going to get Ryan Braun on the show this year, and we're going to call him out. Like, I'm just going to come out and say it. Like, Ryan Braun, who's your dope man? That'd be great. Get him on. We'll get him on the show. We'll ask him straight away. Ryan Braun, who's the dope boy fresh? Yeah, I'm sick of this shit. Like, come on, just come out and say it. Just come on, come on. I'm going to ask him if he needs a new source. That'll be our shortest <laughs> show in history, gentlemen. No, it won't. Yeah, it will. All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, this is an interesting story that I saw today involving the Red Sox. So, Seamus, I'd like to, well, I know you hate them now, but I want to get everyone's thoughts Doesn't on this. Doesn't matter, he's not watching baseball. <laughs> At least not Red Sox baseball. Um, but this, this is actually... He deleted the app. So this has less to do with... Um, baseball as a whole and more with the climate of the world today actually so the Red Sox they have this pitching prospect named Chi Jung Lu he's a right-handed pitcher he's a younger kid um he was brought to the United States this year he's from Taiwan and so he he got he got brought to the United States went to San Francisco and then he was brought over to Fort Myers for the for spring training and when he got to Fort Myers he was immediately quarantined out of an overabundance of caution for the, um, forgive me, coronavirus. For the coronavirus, so he is right now quarantined in a facility, and he says the team is providing three meals a day, and he's spending his time reading and watching inf- information and tape on the team. So, 
Right now, I, I mean, that's, that's the climate of the world today. The coronavirus is a real thing, it seems. And according to CNN, over 2,700 people have died worldwide as a result of the coronavirus. And there's over 80,000 global cases right now. The World Health Organization has, has not yet called it a pandemic, but has told the public to be prepared for it to get to that point. Um, so this is starting to hit home a little more. I mean, we've had the reported case in Wisconsin, I think around Madison area. There's been a couple of reported cases in the Illinois area. I, I want to get you guys thoughts. This is bigger than baseball, honestly. I want to get your, your, your global thoughts on this. Are we to believe what the media is saying that, or is this a bigger issue? What do you think is going to come of this? And what do you think the gravity of the situation is? Because now it's starting to hit Major League Baseball. It's starting to hit closer to home. What do you guys think, coronavirus? Uh, what, what should we be thinking here? Should we be believing the media? Should we be believe who? What, what are we to think of this? Killer Kai, I want to start with you on this one. Well, you know, I'm not allowed to take the boys to McDonald's play place per their mother's instruction because, you know, there's just that outside chance that they're going to get the coronavirus from McDonald's. So. They're more likely to get pink eye from the play place. Good God, this hits home. Um, you know, I, okay, honestly, like, the coronavirus is not going to be an issue in the United States. It's just not. I don't, I, I, this will not be a problem very, very soon. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I, I just don't believe it's a big deal. Period. That's fair, that's fair. <laughs> Seamus, your thoughts. The coronavirus, the Red Sox pitcher, the worldwide effect. What do you think is going on? What do you think is really going on here? I want to find out what the media is trying to distract us from. Because remember, Ebola, a couple years ago, Ebola was going to take over the world. And that lasted two weeks. Joe Biden wrote a bill for that. So he, yeah, he also said in 10 years, 150 million people died from gun-related accidents. That's half the population. He wrote a I bill for that, Joe, too. I believe Joe Biden just as much as I believe somebody telling me that they're Anne Frank. So, we're, so you're saying that you don't think that this is you don't think this is a real threat? That you don't think that 27 people, 2,700 people is real, or that their deaths don't like what? What are, what are we saying here? That it's not a real thing? I I don't know, but I know that in the same time frame that they're saying 2,700 people have died from the coronavirus, 8,000 people have died from influenza. Check the CDC. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's pandemic. He's just rated saying, yet. He's I don't think it will be. It's as bad as they're making it. Okay. Is what he's saying. Okay. So you don't. Yeah. So what Josh said, you don't think it's as bad as what they're they're trying to make it out to be. I I do not. I, you're correct. Well, the the difference of what I'd say between the coronavirus and influenza is there's ways to treat influenza right now. As of right now, I don't think there's any ways to actually treat and and. and prevent or cure coronavirus other than quarantining people yeah that's where i think the difference lies but they are actively making the antivirus already so yeah black josh said he's read a report that by may they should have an antivirus um created but i 
I know I'm, I've never been one to believe the hype in, in terms of these situations. I've never been one to, to believe the media outlets first and foremost. But now, I mean, this one just seems like it's grown so exponentially to a point where like 80,000 cases, you know, 2,700 people have died. That's nothing to turn your nose at. And I, I th- I'd rather be on the side of safety than the side of skepticism in, in a situation like this, personally. And I know this isn't baseball related. I know this isn't our forte to talk about things like this. I just thought it was interesting that out of a, out of extreme caution, this this guy doesn't have it. I want to make that absolutely clear. This Chi Jung Lu does not have it, but because he was coming from Taiwan, where there has been eighty three reported cases of it, um, and I think eight deaths, the the Red Sox took the precaution to quarantine and monitor him, and they want to make sure that everybody's remaining safe so that they're not you know liable for. For somebody coming out and... I think they're just trying to distract us from the fact that they're getting in trouble. (laughs) So, yeah, in terms of the Red Sox, the the report's not going to come out this week. They said it will come soon, but they have not given an actual date on the Red Sox punishment and the Red Sox sign-stealing report. Um, So, moving on, now that we got the coronavirus out of the way... The Milwaukee Bucks last night, they had quite a thriller against the Raptors last night. A 108-97 win against the team that they were they were losing by 11 points at one point in the first half. They had a really good last two minutes of the first half, got back in the game by two, and they ended up coming ahead. And there wasn't, a, I mean, Chris Middleton had a good game. Giannis didn't put up 30 or anything. There was no single player that really stood out, but it was their defense in the second half that really seemed to step up. They seemed to really play like a team towards the end of that game. Um, Killa Kyle, your thoughts on the game last night? Yeah, Giannis didn't put up. 30 points per se, but he had 19 rebounds, Holy and he had a bunch of assists. He had he was a couple shy of a triple double. Um, but that's the beautiful thing. Like Giannis doesn't have to have um, a double double every game, and he doesn't have to carry this team per se for them to win. I really liked Marvin Williams' play last night. Uh, there's so much to take away from last night's game. The, the first quarter was terrible. The offense looked garbage. Middleton was didn't make a shot the whole first quarter. Um, they were down a lot early, and then the grit of the box. And Marvin Williams was an excellent pickup. John Horse just keeps killing it with these moves, and. There's just even Silas is excited. Like th- yeah. there's just there's hold on, but there's just so much. Um, there's so much to dissect. Like every one through fifteen, every player, even deep on the bench, contributes. Dante DiVincenzo, his offense looks terrible, but. Butch, I know you were watching the game. Did you see some of these boards that that dude gets? He's a guard. He's six four, and dude is a beast at the rim. Like he was playing one hundred and ten percent. Every board he had a chance to get, he was grabbing it. I love this team. I just love them. Yeah, there's something really special going on, and it, that first half very much reminded me of the conference finals last year, where they were just, you know. Yeah, they're both great teams, but it just seemed like the Raptors last year in the conference finals, like they hadn't answered everything we were doing. They were playing harder. They were they were on top of their game, and we just kind of always seemed off against them. And that's and that's what it seemed like in that first half of the game. And then just tw- right towards the half halftime mark, 
they seemed to start gelling, and they and then they came out in the second half and were just going on such these runs that were putting them ahead and then keeping them ahead. I don't think they lost the lead after they maintained it. They didn't. I don't think they lost the lead once they got it. And it's just they just. It's it's not one single player. It's not Chris Middleton. It's not Yana Santa Tacumpo. It's it's this whole team was just built so so genius in such a genius way by by Horst that they there's they don't really have any holes. And like you said with DiVincenzo, yeah, he can't shoot so great, but he's doing it on the other side of the floor. The team's on pace to win seventy games now again. Um, Giannis himself, he's averaging 30 points, 13.6 rebounds, 5.8 assists in about a half hour of the game. In about 30 minutes every game, so that's 12 minutes to spare, he's averaging those ridiculous numbers. Um, His 32.49 player efficiency rating is the highest in NBA history right now. If he maintains that, he will finish with the highest player efficiency rating of all time. They have more home wins than half the teams in the NBA have total wins. Um, and they won 33 games by double digits this year so far. That's 10 more than any other team in the National Basketball Association. They are just primed to go on this run, and there's an energy about that team that the Warriors didn't have it when they were tops, I don't think. I think the Warriors were playing in a West that they were just so much better than everyone else, whereas the Bucks, it's like even against these good teams like the Raptors, they're finding a way to win. They're, they're, they're never the victims. They, they always find a way to pull it off. So I want to ask you, Kyle, what teams, if any, can stop the Bucks in the East? Well, yeah, I was just going to add to your point, like all the more reason why the Bucks have to win a championship now. Like they have to win this year because they've, they have put together one of the best teams in NBA history and you got to win. If they, the Bucks have... Yes, you did. Good job, Silas. <laughs> he did it. Good job. They have to win this year. Um, but Toronto, the team we saw last night, they are probably the biggest challenge that the Bucks will have on the way to the finals. Because they haven't beat them yet. They they cannot beat that team in a seven-game series going back the last four seasons. We still did it. Okay. The last four years, they cannot beat the Raptors in a seven-game series. Ain't that right? So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, the Raptors, the Heat are going to be really good. Um I yes, bananas are good. Bananas are delicious. And yeah, I know. No, I love bananas. This is good stuff. The Sixers, yeah, I can't shut up. He's just like. Yeah, like uh, to your point. Yeah, we haven't been able to take over the Raptors, and it's it's kind of shown in that in that first half of the game last night that the Raptors seem to have an answer for us in a lot of ways. But I think the difference between this year is we're built we're built in such a way that we can we can maybe have a chance against that team. And luckily, I mean, I don't think the Sixers are a threat anymore. You, I think you were going to allude to this. Ben Simmons is hurt right now. It doesn't seem like that they're going to be able to to get over this hump. There's and they have no chemistry. 
Right. I think the Heat are good. The Heat have beat us on our own floor this year. But I think in seven games, the Bucks have a much greater chance than the Heat do. The Celtics are a non-starter. They're, they're nothing. There's, I don't think there's anybody in the East that can stop the Bucks at this point. Um, let's see. Moving on. Um, hey, Silas. Bananas or strawberries? Hold on a second. <laughs> okay, you're about speakers, so he can hear you now. Silas, which is which is better, bananas or strawberries? Strawberries. Yeah. Bananas. 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 <laughs> Who's your favorite Paw Patrol? Chase or Rubble? I like rubble. Anyways, um, he don't want to talk to me. All right. Um, hey Kyle, I got, I got another one for you. All right, Steph, Steph Curry is, is uh, set to return Sunday for the Golden State Warriors. Why the hell would the Warriors bring him back? Good question. I really, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they have the worst record in the Western Conference. Everything's been a mess. They tried the D'Lo experiment. That didn't work. They don't have Clay Thompson here. I don't know what they're thinking, and and rushing him for what? I mean, I don't, I don't know, Butch. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you put him at risk for injuring that hand some more, uh, or other potential injuries. I got a question for you. Sure. Have you heard? Have you heard about the trade rumors that Golden State that are floating around Golden State saying they're trying to put a mega package together for the Bucks to trade for Giannis? I've heard some rumblings about it, and it sounds to me like Giannis is planning on re-signing. Thank God. But yeah, it is. I've seen some. I've seen some rumblings along the Facebook and Instagram pipeline that are saying, "Yeah, the the Warriors want him, and if they get him, that would be the biggest dynasty super team that we've ever seen. Bigger than the Heat, bigger than the Lakers. I don't. Yeah, I that would be ridiculous, honestly. So they're trying to put together like uh, two first round picks, Clay Thompson. And, like, two other players. That's the rumor. Um, just think of that, though. Like, two first-round picks for the next two years, Clay Thompson, and probably a guy like, you know, um, Looney or even Wiggins, because they have uh, Anthony Wiggins now. All those pieces for one player. Would I mean, you do it? You, I would think about it. I, I think about it. I mean, Giannis. Here's the thing: Giannis is only 24 years old, so he's got at least another 
12, 13 years of elite basketball. But if you get all those pieces, you, you'd be set too. I mean, I think the Bucks are in a really good spot because even if they... Even if they were to accept one of these absurd trades, they're still going to be set up with a lot of nice pieces. And you have Middleton locked down, you have Bledsoe knocked down, you have a team around to build around, so... But no, I wouldn't do it. Hell no. (laughs) Not a chance. No, when you got generational talent, you have an obligation to yourself and your fan base to keep that together, to keep that elite player. And Giannis is... He's on pace. He could he could be the best ever. If he continues his pace, he could go down. He's better than Jordan, better than Kobe. I mean, he's he's just that good and I don't think you can you can trade that away even in, in any package deal. I don't I can't think of any package deal that someone would put together that I would want to get ready on at this point, even for LeBron, even for Zion, it doesn't matter. All right. So that takes us to our next segment, and I didn't get to do this last show on Saturday. We had Miller Eric from the Miller Park Minute on Saturday, and a shout-out to him, Miller Park Minute. We love you. Um, I want to give another shout-out to Mike Wickett. We love you. Um, and a shout-out to Ryan Horvat. We also love you. But, I, like I said, I didn't get to do this on Saturday, so I want to move on to my Brewers' greatest of all time. Now, so far, we have... Counting from 10 to, to 8, I started at number 10, was Pete Vukovic. was my 10th greatest brewer of all time. That moved on to number 9, which is Jeff Jenkins, my greatest brewer of all time. Then number 8 was Ben Sheets. And so far, nobody's had a problem with my, my pick so far for, from 10 to, 10 to 8. So that, that will bring us to number 7. And I want to see if you guys can guess who this player is, just based on a few stats that I'm going to throw out there. One, two, three, four, five, six. He was a six-time All-Star. He had a career 23.6 wins above replacement, 319 career home runs. He batted 283 in his career, uh, 887 OPS, and he spent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in Milwaukee. What do you think? Oh, boy. I got nothing. What were his batting, career batting stats again? 319 home runs, 283 batting average, 887 OPS. He was a one, two, three-time All-Star with the Brewers, six-time All-Star all, all around. Prince Fielder. You got it. Prince Fielder is my seventh greatest Brewer of all time. Good kid. Yeah, I've called every one that I've been on so far. So, yes, Prince Fielder, number seven for me. Um... Like I said, six-time All-Star in his career. He's, he had three of those with the Brewers. He's a three-time Silver Slugger winner. Um, he has some Brewers records. Um, he has the highest on-base percentage for career for the Brewers at 390. Highest career slugging at 540. Highest career OPS at 929 as a Brewer. Highest adjusted OPS plus at 143. Highest offensive win percentage at 702, and he had the most intentional walks of any brewer of all time with 115. So, like I said, uh, and he's, he's also the home run leader for the Brewers in one season with 51. Um, he's the youngest player in National League history to hit 50 home runs in a season. 
He became the first Brewer to win the Home Run Derby ever, defeating Nelson Cruz in the final round of the 2009 Derby. And Prince and Cecil Fielder are the only father and son duo to hit 50 home runs in a season. He's also a Hank Aaron Award winner in 2007. He was the AL Comeback Player of the Year in 2015, obviously not as a Brewer. He led that National League in home runs in 07, and he led the major leagues in 2009 in RBIs. Um, he's, he's obviously one of the best. If he would have stayed with the Brewers and not got that max deal with Detroit, I mean, honestly, he would have he continued to, to be. He probably would go down as the best Brewer of all time if he would have stayed with us those last few years. He obviously had the, the two neck surgeries, the last one of which he wasn't able to come back from. What do you guys think? Prince Fielder, number seven, greatest brewer of all time. Do you think he should be higher? Do you think he should be lower? Do you think he deserves to be on there? I want to get you guys' thoughts. I like it. All right. Love it, love it. Seamus, your thoughts. Prince Fielder, number seven. I'll reserve judgment when I hear the rest of the list. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard when you haven't heard the whole list to give thoughts on it. Well, I, I just I just think had he had he been a brewer longer, I might be more excited about it. Not taking away from what he did while he was in a brewer uniform, but on a top ten all time brewer list I'd be a little bit more excited about it had he been a Brewer longer. Yeah, but I think he still deserves to be on there. I mean, just for what he did with the team. I mean, the two playoff appearances. He played every game almost every season. He was in the 150-plus for games played. He was always out there, always chugging along. He had two seasons where he was above 1,000 for the OPS. I mean, he was just... He had 141 RBIs in 2009. That's the most... You're right. He did chug. That was, <laughs> and he used to steal nachos from people on the side, on the, in the in the stands too. I want to get anybody's thoughts. What was your favorite Prince Fielder moment of all time? Oh, that inside the parker. Yeah, for the big boy. Yes, good call. I didn't even think of that one. Chug, 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 chug. Oh, that was yeah, fantastic to watch. That. Yeah. For that big of a man to run around in bases like that, yeah. Yeah, good for sure. Good for him. Good call. And the James. fact that he didn't need oxygen when it was all said and done. Yeah. Was that was that the home run where he jumped? At, no, he had the one where he jumped on home plate and everybody fell down like bowling pins. Was that a walk off? Do you guys remember that one? Yeah, I think that was a walk off. That was amazing. And he was, yeah, he was just incredible. Achilles, Kyle, any any thoughts? What's your favorite Prince Fielder moment? Kilika. All right, good. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say one of those uh, between the inside the park home run, um, winning the home run derby was pretty special. I didn't think any Brewer would ever win a home run derby. To be honest, the uh, the two playoff appearances in 08 and 011 with Prince Fielder were pretty special. And then, of course, stealing food from the fans in the stands—that's just funny. That's just good character. I mean, that's he was a fan favorite. He was he was a guy you just loved. Um, yeah, so that's why I put him in number seven of all time for the Brewers. I mean, yeah, if he would have stayed a Brewer longer, I'd probably have him higher because he, he continued to produce with the Tigers after he left us, did a little bit of work with the, with the Rangers for a bit of time before he was kind of hurt and, you know, past his prime at a very young age. Um, he's a Brewers great. He's a, he's a Brewers Hall of Famer. He's, 
he was very special to this team. He he was part of the identity of those playoff runs that we had when the it's it's a very it was a very special time as a Brewers fan to watch that team and what they did and he was a centerpiece of that organization along with Ryan Braun and you know the other guys Corey Hart and and T Plush and all those guys it was a, it was a really special T time T Plush and, <laughs> I miss that guy he was a Nigel Morgan yeah it was it was a very special time in, in Brewers history and and Prince Fielder was was the center of all that he was he was that and he never had to use fucking steroids he was he was legit. He was as legit as they come. He was a passionate player, and it's unfortunate the way his career had to end. I mean, he had no choice in the matter but to to end it. Um, yeah, wasn't it some neck issues or something? Right? Yeah, he had a neck surgery earlier, earlier, and then he had a second one that ultimately cost him the rest of his career, and probably would have been a Hall of Famer if if yeah, that wasn't the case. Probably. I think he was definitely on pace to have a Hall of Fame career as a baseball player, but. Yeah, it's just just the case. So, um, yeah, so number seven of all time. I'll bring number six to you next Wednesday. We do have Ryan Horvath coming on. He is um, the producer of the Chuck and Winkler Morning Show on 105.7 FM The Fan. We got a lot to talk about with him. He's also worked in Chicago radio before. Um, so, so we got a lot to talk to him about in terms of what he does on the show for, for Chuck and Winkler. It's one of our favorite shows here. And you know what? Any other thoughts, anybody? I do. Yeah, what do you got? So, at what age does it become inappropriate to dunk your chicken nuggets in ketchup? Seven. I think anything after seven, you've got to grow up to barbecue sauce or mayo or something else. I think... Mayo? Whatever people dip the shit in. Ketchup is unacceptable. Who fucking dunks their chicken nuggets in mayo? I don't know. I think they do that in California, don't they? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. I don't even count them as people. <laughs> but yeah, I, you get some fucking tangy sauce, some sweet and sour, some barbecue, something a little better. Me, I go dry. I go dry with my uh, chicken nuggets. I don't eat them with any kind of sauce at all. What do you think the age is, Black Josh? I, yeah, definitely single digits for sure. Because that's, that's just, no. You, you Ketchup just, doesn't mix with chicken. It doesn't, it doesn't mix. No, even even at McDonald's, you got sweet and sour, you got honey mustard, you got barbecue, you got whatever else. Why use ketchup? I don't even like ketchup really at all. I mean, I'll throw it on a hot dog. I'll throw a ketchup on a hot dog. I'll eat it. I don't even eat it with my fries. I like to go dry with my fries as well. Me personally. So, with that, send us your thoughts um, about the ketchup incident and. Hey, Seamus, you there? I'm here. Hey, Seamus, what age do you think it's inappropriate to dip your chicken nuggets in ketchup? God, yes. What? That's wrong. What, at what age do you think a kid should stop dipping their, ke- or their chicken nuggets in ketchup? Uh, I've never had any of my kids dip their chicken nuggets in ketchup. <laughs> Would you ground your kid... If you found out they were dunking their chicken nuggets in ketchup. I don't know if I'd ground them, but I wouldn't be happy. I'd ask, I'd ask them point blank, what the hell are you doing? I think a stern talking to would definitely be in order. Absolutely. So usually at times when I'm not feeling like really doing a whole lot of cooking, I'll make a couple things of chicken nuggets and a little bit of popcorn chicken. 
And I use both ranch and barbecue sauce, but never ketchup. What about in a meatloaf? Those are, those are good however, dipping sauces right however, there. However, if, even if I didn't have ranch or barbecue sauce, I would not make chicken. Because then I would only have ketchup to dunk it in. See, I don't need something to dunk my chicken nuggets into. I like, I like just take, tasting the chicken. Well, Shut it depends up. on who makes them. Me. I make them. I don't even care. Well, no, but... My, my, the, so the whole reason this came up is I went to McDonald's with somebody recently, and they ordered a 10-piece chicken nugget, and they filled up the entire top part of their chicken nugget box with ketchup and proceeded to dunk... I, and I mean dunk. Like, there was more ketchup than chicken nugget. And I was fucking appalled. Like, I almost... I think I'm going to be It was almost as Ill. bad as eating pizza with a fucking... <laughs> with a knife and fork. See, I like Wendy's chicken nuggets. <laughs> I think Wendy's is, has some some really good chicken nuggets. I, I can't say I've ever I had those chicken nuggets. I miss the old school Burger King chicken, whatever they, the chicken tenders that Burger King had. Oh yes, I grew up on the. Oh, those were good. They have the chicken fries that are good, but yeah, those like, chicken fries are pretty good. You get like nine for like yeah, but, seven dollars though, or something. But no, I know yeah, what you're those, talking about. Those old school over. Burger King chicken tenders that that breading was on point. I think we all agree though that Dairy Queen has the best chicken out there. Their strips are just yep. legendary. That's literally the only reason to go to Dairy Queen. Yeah, I don't. I've never had a burger at Dairy they Queen. They should just not even serve anything else. <laughs> they should, it should be other that. than blizzards and uh, chicken strips, ice cream and chicken strips, and the little toast pieces that you get in there. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and their fries are good. Oh, oh god. god. Well, anyways, that's a five to a five. And, and they, go on. They they better serve me that blizzard upside down. Oh yeah, that's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. And with that, that is the 5 Tool Podcast Wednesday edition. We thank you all for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, share on Facebook. Um, We are on Instagram now. We are on Twitter. Um, We'd love to hear feedback. We'd like to know what you think about ketchup. I hate it. I don't really eat it on anything except for a wiener at the ballpark. or I usually go stadium sauce, though. Stadium sauce. What the hell is stadium sauce? Oh, it's secret stadium sauce in Miller Park. They've had it since the county stadium days. I've literally never heard of it. Well, when we get to you a game, you can buy it at Pick and Save. You can buy it at Pick and Save. There you have it. Oh, good thing I don't go to Pick and Save then. <laughs> like I said, Five Tool Podcast. We're gonna have Ryan Horvat on on Saturday, producer of the Chuck and Winkler Morning Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. We like to give a shout out to Eric Agnew from the Miller Park Minute. We like to give a shout out to Paul Sipe. He is the leader of our uh, fan page on Facebook, and a shout out to Wiki. Mike Wicket of Mike Wicket Podcast. He does the dad pod. Good stuff. Always good content there. And a shout out to the Sold Out Podcast and Jordan Bradley Schultz out there. That's my man you can check out. I was on there on Monday. We did a nice four-hour discussion about life, love, a little bit about baseball, a little bit about music. It was a good episode. Um, So please check that out. And we love you. Five Tool Podcast. We're out. Don't widen the plate.